Welcome to the Testimony Service Podcast, the podcast that will encourage you, increase your faith, and draw you closer to God. I'm your host, Martina. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So in an effort to help our listeners' faith increase, each episode will begin with the scripture. Today's scripture comes from Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For today's episode, I'm excited to have one of the coolest and flyest, funniest people that I know on the show today. And her name is Ashley. She's one of the worship leaders at Heartland Church here in Indianapolis. So without further ado, here is episode 10, starting from scratch. Well, um, I am newly married. I'm going on my second year um, with my second husband. And I have a daughter who's 13 years old from my first marriage and been in church quite a long time. I've been at Heartland going on our third year, and Ava's third year, um, this coming Easter. Been in church all my life and um, definitely raised in a two-parent home, was raised uh, missionary Baptist and, you know, very, very... Not super strict rules, but, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. So I guess maybe that is, you know, super strict. So, you know, women aren't allowed in the pulpit and all that type of stuff. You know, my mother was um, was, a, was a person who always took me to church, but my father, he never went to church. So I always had a desire to be with a man who obviously would go to church because I saw some of the uh, challenge, a lot of the challenges between my mother and my father with, you know, him not going to church. So I met Ava's father. That's my daughter. She's 13 now. I met Ava's father back in 2006, and he wooed me. Unfortunately, I met him on BlackPlanet.com, if some of you uh, remember that, and we hit, hit it off really, really fast. And he was the first guy that I knew that was just so super involved in the word, just had seemed to have this wonderful relationship with God. I mean, we would, even though he lived in Chicago and I was in Indianapolis, we would read scripture and Proverbs and, and talk about what the word says. And then when he would come passing through Indianapolis, because he was also a truck driver, we just had a great time. And I was just stunned that this man was so involved heavily in Christ and he would go so far out of his way to to make sure he stopped by to see me, you know, while he's getting ready to transfer a load off. We hit off and of course we got pregnant with Ava and decided to make a wrong or right, which is completely all the way around wrong. So we decided to get married. And even though we were nervous about it, you know, we were trying to force something, you know, make it look good for our families, because of course, appearance is everything, and especially in my family, but to make it look good, we were very much so encouraged to get married. So we got married, and almost within 24 hours of saying I do, I knew that I had made a mistake. I remember, you know, in our apartment, 
sitting there thinking like that, okay, I got to somehow fix this. Well, well, maybe we'll learn how to love each other. Well, maybe we'll learn how to, you know, fix it and get it together. And, of course, that never actually really happened. It got significantly worse. The more that I tried, the more that he didn't want to be married. Because, again, you know, we were very much so encouraged to get married. Um, It only lasted three and a half years. But throughout that three and a half year time frame, I was still trying to graduate from IUPUI. So I, I only had a high school diploma. I eventually dropped out because of stress and being pregnant and continued mental abuse, financial worries. I had grown up in a six-figure home the majority of my life um, and then very, very quickly saw what poverty looked like. And, of course, if you can imagine, that's a shock within itself, um, going having almost anything you wanted at your fingertips to having to sell your furniture just to keep lights on and, and keep the food on. But, of course, you know, one of the things that my mother told me was, whatever happens in your marriage, you don't tell your family and your friends about it because whatever happens in your home stays in your home. So don't tell us because we're always going to look out for you and your best interest. And when you guys figure it out and work it out, we'll still be angry. So I took that very much so literally. How was your relationship with God during this time? Like, without being able to talk to family about it, did you feel like you could talk to God about it, or did you just kind of keep it in and just kind of keep going, just trucking through it? I think a little bit of both mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, one of my aunts on his side of the family told me that marriage and kids will increase your prayer life, and that could not be more true. did a lot of praying during that time. After being broken for so long and being told that you're ugly and you're fat and you're not attractive and, you know, who would want to be with you and humiliation and all the, all of those things while also trying to get a degree and raise a baby that you, you've never had a child before. So I don't know what's going on. Never been a wife before. I don't, I don't know what's going on. You get real close to God. You, you start becoming becoming a lot more verbal with God, like, what is happening? And I found myself in a, in a victim mentality for so long, like, what what in the world could I have done that was so wrong? Like, I, I looked for the right things. Mm-hmm. I looked for a godly man, I, you know. I looked for a man who had a relationship with God, but how did, how did this become my life? And then after a while, those conversations turned into, what am I missing here? Like, show me. Tell me what I'm missing so I can fix it, so I can make the pain stop. To making a decision that I can't do this anymore. So at the same time where I'm trying to figure out how to get out of this, um, I find that now my parents are getting ready to get a divorce after 28, 29 years. All at the same time. So as an adult who's always had both of their parents, now I've got two parents getting ready to split, and now I'm getting ready to get a divorce. And still nobody knows. So, of course, when you're trying to find ways to get away from the person that you're with, because you figure out that this is not a healthy situation to be in. And I came to the realization that I don't want to be 28 years later and figure out that I should have left a long time ago 
And after money was spent and after I find out that there were three other women and you just get tired, you're tired. And then you start to become reckless yourself. So after a while, I had this guy that was in high school who found me and I ended up cheating on my husband. And I had never cheated on anybody in my entire life. But it was in that moment of my sin that I knew that I could never try to rectify because I didn't, I knew I wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. So I, I met with my pastor at the time, Pastor Darren, but my old, my old pastor. And I remember telling him absolutely everything, like absolutely everything that I've done, everything that he did, where I'm at. I told him that I don't want my child to be another statistic growing up in a home with where two parents aren't there, but I don't want to be miserable and losing my mind either. And I remember him telling me, um, first he laughed a little bit because he's like, Ashley, I've never met anybody so honest. Mm-hmm. You just tell it all. I'm like, you can't get help if you're not going to be honest with yourself. So mm-hmm. that's never been an issue for me to, you ask me, I'll tell you. So after telling him, he told me that the best thing his mother could have ever done was to divorce his father, who was an alcoholic and who also was beating on her. And had she had not done that, he may not have been the man that he is today. And for me, at that moment, for a person who was already looking for an out, that was my green light to go. It had already gotten bad enough to where I had, you know, been pushed up against walls and, and grabbed and all of that type of stuff. And just, just feeling like a horrible human. So I left. And once I left, I didn't even realize that I was going to get a divorce at the time. But I remember calling my father and telling him that I just need to come stay. Me and Ava need to come stay for a little while. And that's what we did. And within that first week of us staying at my father's house and him still not knowing what's going on, because I hadn't said anything just yet, I remember my husband at the time calling me, asking me when I was coming back home. And I told him that I wasn't sure at the time. And his next comment to me was, it's not good for me to be by myself. We haven't had relations in a while, and you need to come home. And I remember telling him at that moment, I want a divorce. I'm not coming home. And from that point on, it was all, I thought I had already lived in hell. But after that moment, hell busted wide open. I've been threatened, been threatened to be killed. Um, My first apartment that I moved to that he found out about, I'm certain within the first two weeks, I had a peeping Tom and I had to call the police. Within the fourth week, I had another peeping Tom. And by that time, I had let him know that the issues I was having at the apartment. And of course, he's a very, very good manipulator and told me how much he cared and all those other things and found his way over there to try to protect Ava and I. And by a month and a half later, I had another incident where someone was trying to get into my back door and I lived up north above 96th Street. You know, you would never think. And to only put the pieces together later that it was him trying to scare me back home. During this time, I mean, me and I were not on the best of terms. We weren't seeing eye to eye because, again, I still couldn't understand why me. 
And even through all the pain and disruption and the, the frustration it caused, it caused me and my mother to stop talking for eight months at a time because he and they still had a relationship and he would find out where I was going through her and she would pick him up from work and all this kind of crazy stuff. It was just a spiraling thing, just spiraling out of control. And my daughter has had to have counseling through this time. He's done everything that he can to get back at me, even to this day, but it's hurting her in the same time. As a mother, I have had to not only learn how to forgive him, but to teach my child how to forgive her father who does everything he can to disrupt his relationship with her and my relationship with her. For example, um, when he was seeing her, because he hasn't seen her in over two years now, he would call her. The example of when he would call her when she was maybe five and he wanted to come see her, come pick her up rather for ice cream, and he would give her a date. And, you know, kids, they're going to hold you to the date. And that date and time would get here, and Ava would be looking out the window, waiting for her daddy for hours and hours. And then she would call him, and he wouldn't answer. And she'd call him and call him and call him, and he wouldn't answer. Those moments are very, very tough for a mom to have to not only console your child, but to also teach them that you can't hate your, the other parent. You can't be bitter towards the other parent. You pray for them. And in those moments, you also have to learn how to teach your child how to pray for another person or even a parent. And sometimes those prayers aren't, Lord, bring them back. Sometimes those prayers are, Lord, help them in the, in the only way you, you know how to help them. And if that means that they never come back, help me to be okay with that. And if that means they do come back, help me to set the proper boundaries in the midst of all of that. So not only is it constant prayer for yourself that when there's repeated offenses from a person who you marry and you divorce, but the person is still your child's father because they helped you create this child, but they're also consistently harming this child, you have to constantly stay in prayer to make sure you are in right standing with God and that your heart remains pure and you have to be open enough to be able to teach your own child how to do the same thing who hasn't learned the scriptures and the skills of how to deal with people. But eventually, it's just like any other muscle. Once you get into the Word and you learn the nature of God and you, and you learn because of His nature and because of what He died for, that each and every sin was paid for, you learn how to forgive others. But the only way that you're able to learn how to forgive others is to be, is one, to forgive yourself. But two, I literally had to ask him, help me to want to forgive a person who consistently hurts my child. Now, of course, Ava's at an age where um, I've allowed her to make the decision to uh, have a relationship or you don't. Either way, you still have to be respectful. But family is who you make it. You make them to be. And if you choose not to allow any individual to be in your life, that's fine. But if you choose to, 
and you learn how to set boundaries um, within that. It's a constant learning process. It's a constant staying connected to Jesus at all times because it's so easy to fall back and to be angry all over again if you think about things long and hard enough. But when you make a choice to move forward and to say, you know what, it's unfortunate that this is the way things are, but it's okay. And then you move on. But ultimately, you have to make a choice. So I'm going on two years with October, being married, and I met my husband in high school. We dated for nine years and then uh, got married. So we've always known each other, but we never... We never thought, really thought of each other that way. He was a senior and I was a junior in high school. So I think we had like one class together, computer class. And uh, introducing him to Haver was definitely a challenge. Because again, remember, I've never been a single mom before. So I didn't allow Adam to see Ava for the first four, maybe six months. I didn't even allow him to come in my apartment. I didn't want to give Ava the impression that it was okay to have men coming in and out of my, our home. I wanted her to understand how a lady is supposed to carry herself. So, and I needed him to understand that I have a growing princess in my house, and she need not know that men just come and go as they please. Mm-hmm. So we we are going to start it now. So when he did come to my house to pick me up, he would let me know he was outside and I would come out and meet him at the car. I didn't want him to even remotely see which apartment that I lived in. When I left my husband, I left with nothing. All of our furniture, everything that we had acquired together, there was literally nothing in my new apartment but Ava's bedroom suit, a mattress that my best friend had given me, and then I bought like two forks, Two knives, two plates, two cups, two of everything just so we'd have something. Didn't have a kitchen table, didn't have nothing. So I literally started over from scratch. Hey guys, so I hate to leave you on a total cliffhanger, but there was just too much to this story to try to squeeze it into one episode. So I'm going to make you have to come back next Wednesday to hear how the story ends. So here's what to expect for part two. Adam is a musician, so that came with his challenges within itself because, you know, you got to do a groupie. In my mind, I'm dating one of Indianapolis's most eligible bachelors. I am a single mother with a high school diploma. All these other females who are throwing themselves at him have never had no babies. They've got bachelor's and master's degrees, and they got these skinny bodies because they've never had no babies. Now, you know, groupies don't, the groupies don't make no difference. It's, you know, hey girl, how you doing? Have fun. Don't worry about it, you know. <laughs>